Thanks for dropping in today. Uh, we're talking Magnolia Table. Man. Uh, we're going to talk reflections. We're going to kind of uh, reflections on church division. Um, uh, what and particularly what seems to be the reason that a lot of pastors are seem to be quitting, growing tired of ministry. Um, but but there's also similarly why are so many people seemingly dropping like flies out of church or at least moving, like quitting their church to go to a different one? What seems to be some of the underlying fault lines um, uh, that are that are causing that, influencing that, whatnot? And then we're going to end, kind of segue into a quote, uh, an, an amazing quote from Martin Luther that kind of connects to some reflections on church division uh, about the gospel and our need to hear the gospel continually. And kind of, uh, we're going to riff on, dive into why that is. Why do we need, need to hear the gospel uh, so much? Magnolia Table Restaurant here in Waco started by a little known couple, Who? Chip and Joanna Gaines. Who are they? Um, who've built an empire here in Waco. Thankfully, <laughs> it is an empire. I've said it on the podcast before. Big fans. Yeah. I'm a big fan yeah. of Chip and Joanna Gaines and their empire here. Um, Two people literally changed Waco. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, we used to be known more for cults. Yes. Uh, shootouts at at bars. Yes. Murders on basketball teams. Scandals. Yeah. And now you go, you go overseas. I'm making this up, but I'm confident it would happen. You go overseas and you sign from Waco and they say, Chip. Silos. Chip and Joanna. Yeah. In whatever accent they have from their country. Yes. Um, All right. We did Magnolia Table this morning with our amazing staff, which was super fun and just got to kick it. Um, I got... Um, I got, well, we got biscuits for the table yeah. and a, and a flight of butter. Yeah. Like I've never seen anything like that before. Like pumpkin butter was obviously I honed in on that. Yes. But there was chives, there was strawberry, lemon, lemon. I've never, yeah, n- never heard of that many different flavors of butter. Actually. Unreal good. Yeah. The biscuits were phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, I got the farm breakfast, which was eggs, bacon, a biscuit, and then these tater tots. That, yeah. Uh, I didn't know they were tater tots when I came. Yeah. You would never know they were tater tots. No. They look like uh, hush puppies. Yeah. But they were phenomenal. Unbelievable. Yeah. That, I got the same thing. I just got sausage. Yeah. Was the sausage good? Yeah. Sausage was excellent. Yeah. I just went with the bacon. Yeah. Yeah, no, fantastic all the way around. And I love like the the big wooden tables. Yeah, I sweet. mean, yeah, it was so good. It was like you were at a table and we had a blast. Six people sitting around eating, talking, laughing, telling stories, um, talking about the, the reality of the church and just good, good stuff. But that that climate, that culture there lent itself. It oh, fostered yeah. it. It fueled it. Oh, yeah. So, I, I yeah, that, that place has it going. I can see why Amazing. so many people are always there because I'm going to Rudy's. I've, that's my first time. So, I've only go there because Rudy's is right next to it. And I'm always, like, getting a little annoyed at yeah. how they take over Rudy's parking. So, mm-hmm. I have to maneuver just just to get to Rudy's. So, yeah. 
It was well worth it, man. Amazing, amazing atmosphere. I'm huge on atmosphere. Like a restaurant could have amazing food, but if it's a terrible atmosphere, that's good. I, I can't do it. Their yeah. atmosphere, obviously, they just do. I mean, they're high level when it comes to design and yeah. aesthetics and uh, everything there. I mean, that place is just so cool. And uh, and yeah, the wait today. What's today? Thursday. Yeah, Thursday there, morning. No wait. There was no wait. That's why I haven't gone because. There, I, I know that they probably do have their peak tourist times where it's like three, literally three hours. Yeah. Um, but no way. I'm like, I, I'm going to go there more. Cause yeah, that's, same here. It was so interesting though, how the uh, Joe, our waiter was like, well, where are y'all from? Oh yeah. So he's so used to having people from all over the country coming in. We're like, well, sorry, Joe, we're, we're native. He we're almost local. seemed to have our time grasping that we lived in Waco. <laughs> right. Cause, cause we're like, no, right. we just like, right. we just like live here. And then later yeah. he's like, where are you from? I was like, well, I mean, dude, we're here. We're we live here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, awesome, uh, yeah. amazing food pricing. Like to me, it was totally reasonable yes, for the I, restaurant, the food. Yeah, yeah, outstanding. Yeah, amazing. Um, hi- highly recommend it uh, for breakfast. And then, dude, they had like some burgers and. Uh, brunch and lunch stuff yeah i wonder what that would be like but i'm amped about it yeah i mean their breakfast was off the charts so i would imagine everything's that way yeah unique they just do everything well they're like chick-fil-a only at a higher level doing everything well yeah even joe the waiter yeah they all brought up that they sent out you know they sent all of our food at the same time yeah that's when you know it's like this yeah. is real. Uh-huh. And when, it, when they send out a waiter, all the food hits the table at the same time. It's like, yeah. dude, yeah. we need a lot more of this in Waco. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Magnolia Table. Uh, yeah. Check it out. And, and visit Waco. Go to the silos. Go to Magnolia Table. And then uh, swing by uh, Redeemer and drop off a, a check or something giving. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Reflections on church division. Yeah. So I want you to talk. Uh, you talked about this last night with our elders. Right. Some of what's going on in our denomination mm-hmm. that surely, surely is going on in every denomination about kind of pastors um, being tired and quitting. So talk uh, about that. And then let's sure. kind of broaden that to what's going on in the church. Yeah. So we thought uh, two topics, really kind of the same topic, two ways this has affected uh, two different groups of people. So, uh, there's been a lot of chatter um, within our tradition over the number of pastors exiting the ministry, um, either in the midst of this chaos of the past two years or coming now to the end of it and just being blown up by it. Uh, so either in the middle of being blown up and like, oh my word, Uh, or having gone through it and it's just time to leave. And then you start thinking about, well, it's happening uh, at a a noticeably high rate, uh, enough to get the the attention of people that um, actually know, see the bigger picture of what pastors are doing, where churches are being planted, and try to actually form networks to uh, foster church planning, foster gospel churches. that they're having a hard time now uh, actually placing pastors. That's how bad it's gotten in our tradition and and uh, would probably say that's happening across the board in every tradition right now. And then you think about, okay, that's happening with pastors. 
we know uh, if if you're active in your church, you know there's been uh, through this two year chaos a lot of flux of coming in and coming out uh, of church members, and so it's happening there as well. In fact. Uh, when this was happening, when uh, we first started having the, the COVID shutdown and, and then the uh, social justice uh, chaos that's now come into the church and the culture, um, many pastors uh, and even myself, just in terms of thinking about our own church, was thinking while this was happening, uh, in one sense, we're going to need to re- replant Redeemer at the end of this or through this. Uh, and that's become pretty normal across the board. So there's a replanting, there's a shifting that's going on in the church in terms of people that are attending. Um, and the actual uh, pastors of all levels, whether it's a lead pastor, assistant pastors, there's a exodus that's happening right now. Um, and so the question is, well, why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, what happened? What's happening um, why would it happen? Um, those are good questions to ask. That's good stuff to think about. And, uh, if we were to just kind of whiteboard on it, cause that's what we are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to me that, uh, both for pastors, leaders, church leaders, and for church members, that the chaos and the trouble and the culture and the church did something obviously in the church too, which is what is church really all about? I think started happening. And I think people mm-hmm. uh, realized that in such turbulent times, um, a puppet ministry just doesn't do it for me. And I'm being, you know, taking the most extreme case, but there are things that the church does that actually uh, appears to be to everybody involved not helpful, right? And so I think the that church people and pastors were like, what what is church really all about? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what are we doing? Um, and I think it that can be good. Uh, that this could be a healthy time. This could be a recovery time. This could be like what we're going to look at with Luther's quote. This could be a time of actually. Uh, maybe you called yourself gospel-driven and called yourself gospel-centered, and now you actually, by the grace of God, are being forced to press into that and to really experience and trust and even like um, test God on that being true and that being real. Um, real in your own heart, real in your own life, real in your own relationships— real in ministry, real in why you do ministry, and then real in, like, what is the mission of the church? I just think, you know, we're doing judges, and I I, I still have been thinking, I just start, uh, what is it, Judges 3, uh, 7 through 11, it's Othniel, the first judge. So this is the first generation, and it says they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and you're like, oh, man, what did they do, right? And the answer is, they forgot God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so God defines evil as forgetting him. Mm-hmm. And you got to say, oh, what do you mean they forgot God? I mean, their parents was the Joshua Caleb generation. Uh, so it can't be that they lacked information about God. It can't be that they didn't go to church. It can't be that they weren't catechized. It can't be that they didn't know the first five books of the Bible that Moses gave them, 
right? So it can't be the things that we would associate with healthy, vibrant Christianity. It can't be because they weren't in a small group. It can't be that they weren't worshiping on Sundays. What do you mean they forgot God? What is that? And I think that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think they're... I think the answer is God wasn't clear to their minds or real to their hearts, particularly with respect to his victory, his achievement of the promised land, his work for them, his grace and love for them. And so obviously for us, that would be the gospel. And so I think this is a great opportunity, uh, but it also exposes our gospel deficit. It exposes in churches, in their vision, in their mission, in their message. It exposes in church members why they're going to church. What's this all about? It exposes a gospel deficit. At the same time, it could actually push us into the gospel. Mm -hmm. Those are the first thoughts I have. I Just now I was thinking of the Ten Commandments and how they begin with uh, God saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, establishing he establishes who uh, who he is yeah. and his rescue and his deliverance. Um, and, and I was just thinking, if we remove that part, we're still left with God's law, his good law of don't murder. And, um, but, but we're totally, we totally remove um, the, the foundation where it comes from, what makes sense of it. You know, and mm-hmm. not to go down to a crazy rabbit trail, but if you go, oh, there, there is no God, but I believe murder is wrong, you're going to have an extremely difficult time proving, justifying why murder is wrong. wrong. Yeah. Right? But anyway, point being is God even begins going, listen, this is about me. You know, murder is wrong, or this practice is wrong, or this practice is right, or doing these things because of who I am and because of what I've done for you. That is, um, always has been, always should be the center. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I, I think about, you know, the different movements that can come in and out of the church where the church makes this other thing, the thing, yeah. you know, whether it's our own sanctification or a, a really hyper focused, you know, we're the church that's all about having daily quiet times. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, did, did we forget that, a daily quiet time is only valuable insofar as it's about God. Yeah. And it's about the Lord our God who brought us out of the land of slavery to sin and death by the deliverer. So hmm. I know for me, when I think about what's going on, and and um, we, we talked about this last night, talked about this this morning, uh, breakfast with the staff, you know, Paul says, I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And, um, and a couple months ago we were talking about this and I realized, you know, he says, I resolve this like heavy personal, you know, resolution, you know, it makes me think of how Jonathan Edwards, I think you have like all these resolutions, you know, and whatever. Um, but, but Paul there is going, this is my resolution. This is like the resolution is to know nothing but Christ and crucified to the gospels of first importance, who God is, what he's done. I think that you can exist as a church, uh, you can do ministry for a time. Yeah. Um, without that being the center, um, 
but then it takes, you know, you always talk about that illustration of there's cut, there's water in the cup. And if something hits the cup, the water comes out. It didn't come out because it was in the cup. It came out because something hit the cup. Mm-hmm. It just takes something hitting that cup. The water goes everywhere, a big mess. How it's like, well, what happened? Well, actually what happened was you drifted from resolving to know nothing but Christ. And you became about something else. Yeah. You took out, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. And you became all about this one practice, this one command, whatever it is. Um, as opposed to again and again and again, because we have to again and again and again, season season to season, week to week, day to day, we have to go, okay, okay. I am tempted to go to a thousand other things. I'm tempted to make Redeemer, our church, about a thousand different things other than Christ and him crucified. Yeah. Um, but we, we've talked about this, um, talking about this this morning that uh, in a time coming through COVID, COVID was chaos for us. Like we were not immune to all the craziness and people leaving the church and people getting uh, aggressively mad. Like we went through all of that, right? Yep. But right now we're going into the fall of 2021 and feel like really healthy, incredibly excited. Healthy. Yeah. And the only thing, honestly, the only thing I can attribute that to is is trying to trying to attempting to make Christ and him crucified the center of every corner. And I mean, every corner, like form forming our budget, hiring staff members, like how does this ultimately lead us to making and keeping Jesus the thing? And so when all hell breaks loose around us, I go, well, I mean, all hell was breaking loose around the, the Roman Christians that Paul was writing to. And he was very clear about, hey, Jesus is the thing. So why should it be any different? Like when all hell breaks loose around us with social justice, uh, uh, unbiblical social justice views, um, or COVID, I mean, we still do the same thing. Yeah. We're still doing the same thing that we were doing in 2018, 2019. Like the Bible didn't change. Jesus didn't change. You know, yeah, sure, how we may operate and things like that, of course, how we apply this to culture, whatever, can change. But the main thing is still the main thing. Yeah. You know, and yeah. anyway. No, it's so good. And so it makes me think about um, just that dynamic that there are pastors, very popular pastors today, that did at one time affirm that. Yeah. And have since uh, drifted yeah. from that. Um, which is obviously incredibly sad. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I want, Paul wouldn't be as, as uh, well, I guess he would be obviously more gracious than we would be, but Paul would basically say, you idiots, yeah. um, as he does in Galatians. So, yeah, there's just, those are the kind of things that we're thinking about. We're wondering if you're thinking about them too. Are you thinking about... Uh, as a, a ch- church member, a church attender, and you're getting involved in the life of the church, what is church ultimately about? Um, I mean, what is the, the fuel? What is the, the vision? What is the resolve of the church, of you as a Christian? Uh, and if you're a church leader and you're a pastor, uh, what is your church about? What, what have you set uh, as the vision the lens by which you see reality and what God has called the church to be. Um, 
And so we're wanting to encourage all of us, ourselves included, to continue to resolve to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. And to be like C.S. Lewis uh, is to find friends that uh, resolve the same way. That C.S. Lewis says, lovers look at each other, friends stand side by side, looking at the same thing and going, what? You too? Um, find, if you're a pastor, find pastors that see the same thing, a gospel vision, a gospel-centeredness, truly, really, mm-hmm. um, that it's real clear to the mind, real uh, to the heart. And when I think of uh, Dr. Hannah, my mentor, church history professor at Dallas Seminary, and he's the one that threw the brick into the pack of dogs, and I yelped, and the brick was a gospel brick. He got me he started speaking a, a grammar of the gospel that I'd never heard before beyond my reductionistic views of the gospel, where the gospel is just the ABCs to get into the Christian life, not the A through Z of Christianity. And coming here to plant this church, he's like, Jeff, you're, you're planting a gospel church. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I really don't know what that means. Um, Find out what that means. Mm-hmm. Stick to it. Just because you don't know what it means uh, does not mean it's not true. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that that's not ultimate reality for you and your church if you're a pastor or if you're a church leader. Uh, learn to build your messy life, relationships, and ministry around Jesus and his salvation and endure in that because mm-hmm. uh, that's where fruitfulness, ministry fruitfulness, Gospel effectiveness actually happens. Do not get sidetracked uh, by the the sexy thing that's coming down the ministry turnpike. Mm-hmm. Uh, do not get uh, knocked off course of fixing your eyes on Jesus as a church leader. Um, so that's that's what we've been thinking about. That's one of the major currents and themes. And uh, course, you know, there's just of the waters, the deep waters that are kind of rolling around in these past two years that this is a big one. This is a big one right here for church leaders, for church members, uh, resolve. Mm-hmm. It's the only anchor that, that will get us through. You know, we're talking about division of the church, which we'll, we'll move on. But um, yeah, if, if that's not the thing, then like whatever the thing is for you, or me now, it's going to change. Yeah. If our thing right now is like, we've got to stop gossip, you know, you, you've kind of jokingly done this, like on a Sunday morning, like we're the church that's going to stop lying. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, I've been three years, you'll be off that onto something else. And then you're going to have to go find a church that's about that other thing. Yeah. Resolving to know Christ and him crucified, this keeping Jesus, the main thing, the main thing is... Uh, okay, this is into eternity. Yeah. This is into eternity. This is the thing forever. Um, and so the waves can come in, the storms can chant, you know, the, but you're anchored down uh, through it all. Mm-hmm. All right, so on a similar line of thought, Martin Luther says this. This is from his commentary on Galatians, which is a, I mean, it's, it's, it's a must read, truly. Um, he says this, the article of justification... We could say simply the gospel, but the article of justification must be sounded in our ears incessantly because the frailty of our flesh will not permit us to take hold of it perfectly. 
and to believe it with all our hearts. So he says there, you need to hear the gospel incessantly, constantly, over and over and over again, because you are frail. Uh, You are frail. You don't hold to it perfectly. You don't believe it uh, with all your heart. And, um, and we naturally drift from it. So with our remaining like three minutes, um, what comes to my mind, your mind, when you think, why do we need to hear the gospel? Why do we drift from it? What, what do we drift to? Yeah. Comes to my mind is, is Paul, obviously this is coming from Galatians and Paul saying, Hey, um, here's the issues. Cause I just want to learn one thing. Did you, did you forsake did you try to, you start with the spirit and now you're trying to perfect yourself in the flesh. So he's talking about healthy Christians, healthy churches. And the answer was, uh, how did you become a Christian? How do you advance as a Christian? How does, how does God supply the Holy Spirit to you? How does he work powers and strengths and miracles and wonders in you even now as a healthy Christian in a healthy church? And the answer, he gave two options, by works of the law or by hearing, hearing with faith the gospel. Uh, so immediately I hear, holy cow, I need to hear the gospel, right? And immediately I hear in Luther's quote, because there's nothing about me naturally that believes the gospel. Uh, the way that I am in my natural edemic self, what Paul calls the old self, uh, I think, I feel, I experience, I relate, I trust, I love, I do law. I have no concept of grace. Mm -hmm. It's nowhere to be found in me. Mm -hmm. And that means when Paul says, this is your flesh, this is your sinful nature, this is your old self, it's you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, it's so you, you, as uh, one author says, I think it's Dane Ortland says, we, we live in in a universe of law, a mental universe of law. That's what I think of. Luther in uh, his commentary says that um, we, there's the carnal sins that we often think are, are the worst of the worst. And that's, he's talking about things like gossip or murder or adultery, whatever. But he says really the worst sin is trying to be like in Galatians three language, trying to perfect yourself and become so good that you can ignore and oppose the gospel. He says that's really the worst sin, and that's the sin we we think less, the least about. We we're unaware of it, you know, um, because it seems so holy. Yeah, we seem so. Oh, I'm just pursuing righteousness, and in reality, you're trying to perfect yourself so that you can stand before God and say, "I don't need your son." Yes, I'm no professional theologian, but that sounds bad. <laughs> to be able to stand before God and go, I don't need Jesus. I don't need the gospel. I don't need grace because I'm so good. And Luther says, that is really the worst of the worst. That's as bad as it gets. And But that's our natural way of operating. Yeah. That's what we naturally drift to, which is why we'll end with this quote again. The article of justification must be sounded in our ears incessantly. So go find a church if you need to that's preaching the gospel week in, week out because the frailty of our flesh will not permit us to take hold of it perfectly and to believe it with all our heart. Guys, thanks for listening. Good night, time.